0: To get started, learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money coronavirus market update. It is Saturday, August 29th. Mark and I need to take some time off. We're rebroadcasting some interviews, some stuff that may have not even made the air. Mark went back through the archive and found this really terrific conversation with Che Wong. He is the CEO of a company called Boxed, boxed.com. And in this first part of the interview, we're going to talk about how he formed Boxed and his background in general. I hope you enjoy this. Remember, if you have a financial question, feel free to email us, Jill at jillonmoney.com, Jill at jillonmoney.com. Here's our interview with Che Wong. What is your best career or financial decision you've made in your very young life?
1: So I have to say that I kind of cheated on this, and so I was ready for the question, and so I was thinking about it for quite a while. Um, most folks, because we are a startup, and you know, um, I, I left my job kind of cold turkey years ago um, to start our first startup uh, before, even before Boxed. So most folks would say, you know, best decision was. Getting up out of my desk, dropping the mic, and throwing up the middle fingers at, at the managers and walking out. Um, and that wasn't it. So that was, that was fun. but um, I, I didn't do that, by the way. But it was, it was a fun experience of my life. But I would say the best decision was actually to save a year of runway for myself. Meaning that um, I had a year of savings in the bank where mm. I didn't have to modify my lifestyle. Didn't have to change the way I went out to eat, didn't have to move apartments for a full year so I could really give this startup thing a shot.
0: That's great. What's always amazing to me is to consider how many people don't have an adequate emergency reserve fund and how many founders have said to me, like, oh man, I made bad decisions because I just didn't have any money. Totally. And, and that could be a big, huge problem if you are entrepreneurial.
1: So a lot of folks, you know, when they quit their jobs to start their own businesses, like, even if they raise money, they're like, okay, I have this much runway for my company. Um, But a lot of them don't realize that like your personal runway is just as important in the beginning because when you first found a company, you're kind of like, the parent of that company of a small child, meaning that if you don't survive, the child's not going to survive either. That changes later on as you get bigger, but in those early days, you're just your runway is just as important as the companies.
0: So, what led you to this place? You went to college. Like, what's your story?
1: Um, so, it was a long and winding story. So, when my parents first came to the states, we moved to um, Ohio. Probably had brochures in Taiwan of like, "Come to beautiful Ohio." You so know, they
0: were born in. They were Taiwanese born.
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah. And they um, come
0: here because they wanted a better life.
1: Yeah. So even before that, it's, it's a little bit nuts. And my grandparents on my mother's side, one was Japanese, one was mainland Chinese. And they That's met. a big
0: deal, that yeah. mixed marriage, right? Yeah,
1: and they met in the tail end of World War II. And they all ran off together. Uh, and then years later, they then ran off to Taiwan. So my mom's side of the family is that. My dad's side of the family had been in Taiwan for, for, for many generations. And then when I was about uh, one and a half uh, they moved here to the States and now family reunions are like the UN Security Council. So you have, <laughs> you know, it's just like... <laughs> Do you have certain things that are off to, off limits talking about? Um, you know, they generally... It's funny because even at my wedding, like the first 20, 30 minutes, it was just like icy. It was like silence. I was like, your wow, wife's this,
0: family's Japanese.
1: Japanese. So you had their side. You had kind of the, the mainland Chinese folks. You had... The Taiwanese folks. Oh, my um, God. And then the alcohol comes out, and then it's like United Colors of Benetton. Oh. is yeah. So that is you know, nice? Social lubricant is... Uh, it's a good yeah. thing.
0: And then where'd you go to college?
1: Uh, I went to Hopkins for college in, in Baltimore. Uh-huh.
0: And you're not pre-med?
1: I was, I, sometimes you feel like I'm sitting in these econ classes at, at Hopkins, and you get these pre-meds coming in for an easy A, and you're just like, listen, man, you're messing up the curve, okay? You know, like, <laughs> stay out of this class. <laughs> get back to um, Oregon. But uh, for Hopkins, it was... Um, you know, that that was a little bit of it, but uh, the reality was uh, when we first moved to the States, and here's where we can tie it all together, we went from Ohio then to Baltimore for many years. And my mom was a um, making minimum wage uh, across the street from Johns Hopkins University Hospital at this Chinese restaurant as a cashier. And she would always see all these doctors come in and out, and it was always her dream. And she I remember when she said, you know, your kids are going to go to Hopkins one day. Really? And that, yeah, so... I always took that as, as I got older, I was like, you know what? Screw this. Like I can go to Hopkins. And even though I wasn't pre-med, you know, that was a school that I applied to early and, and I got in. And to this day, it's one of the only times I've ever kind of seen my dad cry or, or about to cry. Uh, okay, cry when, now. Was when we, when we got in. So. Oh, yeah, that's it was, so nice. Yeah, it meant a lot. That's
0: a great story. Yep. Okay. So you get out of Hopkins.
1: What'd you do? <laughs> I made them proud by going to teach English in countryside Japan. So, oh, yeah. wow. So this was 2003 uh, when I graduated. So you're still kind of in that like post-first.com, like, post-9-11 kind of downturn. Yep. Um, and at that time, none of the banks uh, were really recruiting at Hopkins. That's kind of changed since then. I remember going to on-campus interviews, and you know there was this program where they send you off into the countryside teaching English for, for a year or three. And I was like, you know what, let's go for it. Um, and so
0: how long were you there?
1: I was there for two years. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. So
0: what was instructive about that looking back? Like what was the most important few lessons that you took from that experience in just managing people and being in a place where you're uncomfortable potentially?
1: I, I could name three huge life lessons that I learned there. First is that don't ever take kind of uh, being in a position where you can just simply speak the language and speak what's on your mind for granted. After living in countryside Japan where not a lot of folks spoke English and it was a challenge to get, you know, your faucet fixed or to even just order a meal. Uh, coming back to the States, I was like, you know, like I'm on top of the world. I can I can do anything. You know? mm. um, Second was not being afraid speaking in front of in front of uh, uh, crowds because I was teaching in a middle school and there's nothing more frightening than 30 middle schoolers that turn on you. <laughs> uh, and so now, like, I'm like, nothing's as bad as that, you know. Um, and then lastly... Don't ever feel like you're wasting your time by taking a chance so mm-hmm. here's what i mean that by that after coming back from japan taught english played duck duck goose you know traveled over asia for two years most of my other friends were either going to business school at the time or med school or starting to go from analyst to associate some were even thinking about where's where's my vp title mm-hmm. at, at a big bank so i was like oh my gosh i really wasted two professional years going there as it turned out when we started our first company we had uh, just no interest in funding us, but then we had some traction with our first game. Uh, we were developing mobile games for the iPhone at the time. Got I do an- know how to do that. I didn't, so I d- I was on the business side of things. I knew how to play games and knew what I liked. Okay, um, but it started with a bunch of high school friends. We couldn't really raise money until we got this inbound from Japan. So there were there was an inbound from one of the biggest gaming companies uh, in Japan. So um, they said our CEO is coming for an investor relations tour. Do you want to meet with her? So I said yes. So we go there, cross the, this huge table, 10 bankers and five people from the company. We're sitting there and it was just not good, you know, the first few minutes. But then I was like, I know how to break the ice. I speak a little Japanese. And then I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have said that because then they, they'll start to test you. But then we realized that the CEO uh, of that company was not only one of the only founding female CEOs of a, of a public company in Japan, mm. one of the only now baseball team, female baseball team owners in Japan, but one of the only public CEOs that grew up in the town that I taught English at. Oh, yeah!
0: my goodness. That yeah. is a weird coincidence yeah. and fantastic.
1: Yep. And after that, uh, raised our first almost million bucks a few weeks later.
0: Okay. Wait a second. When you got back from Japan, is that the first thing you did? Like, let me go hang out with my guys and <laughs> my boys at the uh, diner in New Jersey <laughs> and joke, figure but out that's... <laughs> right down on the back of the envelope what are, oh, let, let's do this. Like, let's put a mobile game. And you're like, all right. I'll do that. You guys do the work and I'll do the business because I look good in a suit. And he does. He's wearing a suit today. So they're,
1: they're, they're probably going to listen to this and they're going to like bust my chops all day because that's kind of how it happened. So we were in a diner in Jersey mm-hmm. and I drove by it the other week and I was like, that's the diner where, you know, my entrepreneurial career started. Yes.
0: Route 46 or something. Okay.
1: So coming back, it's kind of what you said before. My, my parents were like, okay, enough of this teaching English, you know, doctor, banker, lawyer, pick one. And I'm like, well, it's too late to be a doctor. And, you know, it's probably too late to inject myself into an analyst class somewhere mm-hmm. as a bank. So, you know, I took to LSAT and went to law school. Oh, you did? I did. So, you yeah. actually
0: went to law school. I okay. Did.
1: So, went to law school, graduated, started my career on September 15th, 2008. Oh, About, come on. Yeah. The
0: day of Lehman Brothers bankruptcy That's filing. That's right. Yeah,
1: I love that you know it. Yes. Yeah, nine hours after they collapsed, <laughs> our firm was located in Morgan Stanley's building at that time, so 1585 Broadway. Yeah. And Lehman was a block over. Yeah. And so here I am, new suit, new shoes, walking to work with thousands of people streaming onto the street. I I don't know if you remember that scene. Of course. Grown knew, adults crying on yes, the street. Just you know. I
0: know people. I know a guy who lost twenty million dollars on that day, and his entire net worth evaporated because he just sat on that Lehman stock yeah. forever, thinking mm-hmm. that he was going to get bailed out by somebody. Not.
1: <laughs> so, how long were you a lawyer? I was there for a little over two years.
0: So you do that. You don't. You're never going to stay in that environment. You're like too normal.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> to to a certain extent, yeah, and uh, and you know, after about two years, I was like. Time to pull the (sighs) ripcord.
0: Okay. And that's when you start your app business with your your homies?
1: That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: So how long did that app business last?
1: Um, It lasted- How long
0: did it take you to burn through that (laughs) woman's million bucks?
1: That's a better question. Uh, That's (laughs) a very insightful question. Um, So uh, we had almost no funding in the beginning. So if you count that aside, we went from raising that first kind of almost million bucks um, to Zynga acquiring us in a little under- Eleven months.
0: Wait a minute. So yeah. she got bailed out. She her yeah. she made <laughs> money. All right. Did you we... ma- you made a few shekels? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, so you so. did
0: well. At that point, are you a Zynga employee?
1: Uh yeah. Afterwards, for how long? Uh, we were there for a little under two years. Again, did you have any student
0: loan debt at that time?
1: Uh, uh yeah, absolutely. From, and did you
0: pay college. it all
1: off? Uh, most of it, cause but then the other, the rest of it's like one percent, and I was like, you know, this okay, smart so you, money decision, right? To, okay, yep.
0: so that's good. Yeah. So you paid off the higher yeah. interest, and you put some money in the bank. That's you right. worked at Zynga. You made a decent salary. Yeah. Was it fun? Uh,
1: it was one of the most educational experiences of my life, but it was also. One of the most heart-wrenching. Why? Because you go from extreme kind of independence, you know, being your own boss, living the dream, to then work sitting back in an office and working for the man again, and you're Mm. like, wait a minute. But uh, But also, what are you doing? um, So we ended up forming uh, their New York mobile gaming studio. So we were just like a factory of of games. So the heart heart heart-wrenching part was, you know, we IPO'd at ten, it went up to sixteen bucks, and then within three quarters, we're trading at a dollar eighty-five or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I never went to business school, but I feel like that was my hard knocks MBA, and I, I realized a, a lot, and I learned so much.
0: Were you able to sell after the
1: IPO, or were your shares tied up? Most of our shares were tied up, uh, and so uh, th- it was really tough to just to see it. You're like, so did well,
0: you're, you do, do that game like my net worth on paper, and you start tracking it, and then all of a sudden it goes the other direction. You're like, I'm never looking at this again.
1: Totally. Yeah. And so I remember. You know, because, you know, I was running the studio at the time and everyone was on like Yahoo Finance and like, you know, like uh, Google Finance, like refreshing the stock price. And then I, I got up in front of everyone. I was like, next person that I see on Google or Yahoo Finance, it's not going to end well for you. Hmm. And then I go back to my desk. I'm like, Google Finance. I'm like, where, <laughs> where it's is it? Where is hard not it? to. Yeah.
0: It really is hard not to. Yep. I get that. So after the Zynga experience, what happened next?
1: Um, we felt like mobile game developers had this really deep intuition about how mobile customers behaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so could we take that knowledge and apply it to a, a new and bigger industry? Let's take even a bigger shot. And so co-founders left. We all took some time off and then came back together. Uh, to make a box. So we wanted to take our mobile knowledge and go after consumer packaged goods and food retail.
0: Thanks for listening today. As always, if you need any advice, any help, just go to our website, jillonmoney.com. You can click on the contact button and we will get your note. Please be sure over this weekend to wash your hands and wear your masks and maintain that physical distancing. And please try to do something nice for somebody else. We'll talk to you tomorrow.